It's 6 a.m. Rise and Shine. Let's talk sports and welcome to The Grind. And good Wednesday to you and welcome inside the WKVL studios of Rocky Top Sports. I'm Wayne Kaiser and you're listening to the Wednesday edition of The Grind. Excited to be in here. A lot of stuff to talk about today as we're going to talk about NASCAR at Martinsville tonight. Uh, Wednesday racing has become a thing and I've kind of been a, appreciative of it. Uh, we'll talk about what they're going to race like tonight, what uh what the starting lineup is for tonight's race and, and the projections for the successful or the the hot running cars uh, there in tonight's race in Martinsville. Um, we'll also talk about NASCAR going to reintroduce some fans. I think that's a that's a key point as you as you move forward as you look into uh, how NASCAR is going to progress and really the way they've been spearheading uh, this reentry to sports. Uh, they'll start that actually. Uh, Sunday, uh, and then they'll uh, they'll continue on with that uh, as they progress. But uh, I, I think that's a really good start. In the middle portion of the show, we're going to jump back into so- society a little bit. We're going to jump back into the social issues that are. Uh, yesterday, uh, Malcolm Mitchell dropped a line yesterday that said it will that things won't be right until Colin Kaepernick gets an, a, a proper apology and he gets assigned to a football team. I'd like to talk about the assigning of someone to a football team, what that means, and, and really just be honest with you, uh, I wanted to shed some light on on the fact that the reason he's not on a team has nothing to do with him kneeling for the anthem, my opinion. Uh, I, I think it, I think it's sheerly, um, uh, sheerly uh, the fact that, that really he probably wants to be a starter, probably wants starter money, but there's not really an opening for a starter in the NFL. Ask Cam Newton. He's in that same boat. And then on the flip side of things, I'm going to shed some light on some other players who have had off-the-field issues, very, very critical off-the-field issues, maybe even time away from the sport issues, and talent brought them back to the NFL. I I want to give examples of how the NFL has been inclusive uh, with people that that not only uh, have had issues off the field but have have chosen – uh, to protest and do different things, I, I I think I think this is there is a a protest going on, and yes, Colin Kaepernick has has been a a kind of a spearhead for for his his cause and for 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 the a cause that that is very valid. I think as as the farther we get away from his initial reaction, uh, there has been more ac- more activity uh, than than just him kneeling for the anthem. But I want to talk about the fact that. He wasn't a starter when this started, no pun intended. Uh, and, and and quite frankly, uh, his talent diminishing is what's keeping him out of the league. Uh, and and there's been other opportunities for him to get back into the league. Want to want to talk a little bit about a little bit about that in the middle portion of the show. And then at the end, uh, we'll talk 87 days until it's football time in Tennessee. We'll talk about the Hall of Famers that's wore 87, the great players that currently sit in the NFL that wear. 87, and of course the former Vols uh, that rocked 8 
and seven. Eighty-seven was the year I was born, so it's a year that I I, uh, I favor. But nonetheless, uh, we'll grind it out at the back end of the show. But the starting lineup for Wednesday's NASCAR Cup Series race at Martinsville, the Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief 500, is the race that will happen tonight. 7 p.m. start time on Fox Sports 1, MRN, and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. Uh, Ryan Blaney will have the pole. Eric Almirola will join him on the front row to lead the field to green for a 500-lap, 263-mile race at Martinsville the the paperclip as they call it I don't I don't know about everybody else but I've I've extremely enjoyed the uh, the drawn starting place the roll it off the truck jump in it and we drive a version of NASCAR uh not not that I I think you don't need practice or I, I think what have you but what I love about this is is you sit there and people go, huh, didn't really expect that tire issue to show up. Huh. Once, tr- you know, the rubber gets on the track, it does this. And and it, it almost puts a little bit more of a technical spin on NASCAR that even, that even was already there. I mean, we're talking a, a sport that, that literally they adjust spoilers and they adjust spacing and all these key components at a pit stop in about 20 seconds. So this is a you know this is a this is a wrench no pun intended thrown in to uh, a set of of rules and a set of way to do things that they've they've done for a long time. They would come they would they would log lap after lap mile after mile and by Sunday you had some uh, th- there wasn't a whole lot of novice in the field. Everybody was they knew where the bumps were this year. They knew where the rubber was stuck. They knew where it wasn't. That uh, they had a really good plan. They they had experienced the draft this year versus last year, et cetera, et cetera. And I think the whole get there, drop them off the truck, you've drawn your starting place and going allows for just a, a great brand of racing because all of a sudden, all the norms, all the I'm ready for this that you, you think you have, it's gone. <laughs> It's it's gone and it's gone quick and and I love it. Just be honest with you because uh, because it puts a little bit of pressure on the really good guys and I think sometimes they rise up to it, but they also periodically kind of crumble with it. And I, I I like the I don't know. I guess as a fan, I kind of like seeing that because I like seeing guys like John Hunter Nemechek or 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 guys like uh, you know Chase Briscoe or or guys like Timmy Hill that. They they literally most weeks get off the truck drive because they you know they're on low budget teams you know they don't have the same regiment they don't have the same uh, number of sets of tires they don't have the same number of you know whatever they they may not even I think they have bare minimum crew so I mean it, it levels the playing field in certain instances it 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 it, it makes people you know, have to make a decision really quick. And sometimes it goes well and you have four wide racing and it's great. And other times, uh, you, you have Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Turning sideways on the backstretch lap. Number one, either way, it's fun to watch from my living room, but the starting lineup looks like this. Ryan Blaney, Eric Amarola will be the front row. Joey Logano, Clint Boyer be on row two. Martin Truex Jr. Brad Keselowski row three, Kyle Busch, Alex Bowman, will be row four. Row five will be Kurt Busch, Kevin Harvick, and then Chase Elliott 
and Denny Hamlin round out the top 12. The the uh, as as someone told me the other day, the dirty dozen uh, is what what is figured from the the previous week. The top 12 finishers or the top 12 in, in owner points get to draw for those top 12 positions, and so I think it it, uh, it not only does it give you an opportunity, but it also pushes you to want to be in that top 12 to get that opportunity uh, to jump up there and get that spot. Uh, Eric Jones, Tyler Reddick, uh, William Byron in the top 15. Uh, trying to put where some notable drivers are in the 20th starting spot, Matt Kenseth, the 42 Chip Ganassi car. Uh, 21st is Jimmy Johnson in the 48 Hendrick Motorsports Machine. Uh, Austin Dillon uh, will start 22nd. He's, uh, he's going to become a dad this week, I think. Sometime this week, if it hasn't already happened, uh, his, he's due to have, or his wife is due to have, uh, a little boy. And uh, Austin Dillon, the, the guy with the uh, Spade logo, uh, is going to name his little boy Ace. I think that's uh, that's pretty fitting. Bubba Wallace will start 23rd. Bubba Wallace in the 43 Richard Petty Motorsports machine will sport a Black Lives Matter uh, paint scheme on his race car this this weekend. You know, and I, I look at that and I see Richard Petty Motorsports, I see Black Lives Matter, and I, I say, you know, kudos to NASCAR, kudos to RPM, Richard Petty Motorsports. Um, that's a marriage right there. Uh, Richard Petty, an icon in the sport, war- ran the 43 car, still runs the 43 to this day as far as it's still the same font. It's still Richard Petty Motorsports. And uh, the fact that Bubba Wallace, the lone African-American driver in the sport, uh, and they're going to they're gonna be the, the kind of the, the one that, that pushes this issue to the front, and no pun intended with NASCAR, but 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 gets this out there on a main on a large scale. I mean, you look at it. NASCAR's a business. NASCAR's a huge business, and the fact that they, you know, and I don't know, they may have sponsors that that push this paint scheme, or they may have you know donors that that push this paint scheme. But the fact is, is as as stereotypical as Southern and racism seems to to be aligned. I think this is a great step by NASCAR. I think this is a great step by Richard Petty Motorsports. It doesn't get it doesn't get action taken. You know, I I, I agree with that. I I understand people are going to say it's a paint scheme. It's not. They're not protesting. They're not doing anything. But I think it's they're speaking up. I think you look at it a, a full paint scheme on a car. I don't know what it costs today. I, I you know that's a little out of my budget, fifteen twenty years ago, but. What I'm saying is the entire car is saying what everybody wants to say. Black lives matter, white lives matter. Everybody matters. It's about it's about being together, not so much being divided. And and I think I think the fact that they're going to put that all over the car that is that is a little bit of uh, you, you know they are taking the, a sponsor away. They are it's kind of taking a lot of the the pieces away because if you look at a NASCAR, it's not the same sponsor on every facet of the car. I mean, you'll have this sponsor on the hood. You'll have this sponsor on the quarter panel. You'll have this one on the top. You may even have 15 other sponsors on the the driver's jumpsuit. And they're going to roll all that into one sponsor on the 43 car this tonight uh, in in Martinsville, uh, South Carolina. But, I, I, you know, I love what, what they're doing. I think Bubba Wallace has, has said some really good things and has been – he stepped up to the plate when, it, when he needed to do so. And I, I can appreciate that uh, as as tonight unfolds. 
uh, some other guys, and, and again, 39 starters in today's race, tonight's race. Uh, Daniel Suarez will start in the 37th position in the Galt Brothers Racing number 96 machine. Uh, looking down through there, Christopher Bell. I like watching him in the Levine Family Racing 95 machine. Ty Dillon in the Jermaine Racing 13 car uh, will start in the 30th position. And uh, probably one of the better names in NASCAR, Cole Custer, uh, 41 Stuart Haas Racing Machine will start 27th. But uh, uh, a lot of uh, a lot of good drivers up front, and, and that's what happens when you use power rankings or when you use owner points uh, to kind of drive where you're at. Uh, that's going to allow you to to be able to to get your your point across and to get up front uh, early and often. But talking about NASCAR and fans again, check out tonight's race at Martinsville. I always. Martinsville's tough to watch on TV sometimes because it's not a super fast track. But just understand, understand there's reasons why people put banks on things. You ever you ever notice like going down to Dragon, there's not a whole lot of flat curves. It's because the curve helps you turn. It helps you get around there. Well, Martinsville's basically as flat as a tabletop, and they still have to turn at a very high rate of speed. You ever try doing that? Just like one of these days, go into an empty parking lot and just be going down through there and rip it to the left see what happens if you don't end up in the passenger seat uh one you're probably wearing your seatbelt properly but uh, if you don't if it doesn't the g-forces don't push you to the passenger side of the car and you don't have a hard time keeping up with it uh you you're uh, you're maybe destined for nascar and just didn't even know it but nascar fans will be able to get back in the track uh, as, as early as June the 14th at the Dixie Vodka 400 at Homestead Miami Speedway, and then later that week or the next week at the uh, Geico 500 at Talladega Super Speedway. The first to guest allowed in, in, uh, in NASCAR races since March 8th will be 1,000 South Florida service members at Homestead Miami Speedway. Uh, they'll ramp up to a guest count of 5,000, in the front stretch, grandstands and towers at Talladega, the tickets will be first come, first serve for fans who purchase tickets or reserved camping for the originally scheduled race on April the 26th and live within a designated proximity to the track. Uh, so they're they're really they're they're putting heavy stipulations on what what the deal is. But uh, you know, I love the service men and women. Uh, that they're going to do at Homestead. A thousand people in those grandstands, you literally probably could have your own section. Uh, I mean, your own, like, numbered section, not like your own grandstand. But what I'm saying is is you, you could be the only person in, in a 30-foot radius. I mean, you, you can really space out at a thousand. The only thing I wonder is, 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 it, is it really having fans in the stands or is this just a really good way to pay back the service people? Either way is fine. But I'm just like a thousand people, because here's what's going to happen: all thousand people, they're going to get in there, they're going to spread out, they're going to see the track from all these different vantage points that they've never seen before, and that all that is perfect. But here's what's going to happen, and here's how: how do you manage this? At the end of the race, when somebody wins, where do you want to go? Start finish line. You want to be there to see him get the the checkered flag from the the flag stand guy, and you want to see him do the burnout right there. And and just it's an American thing; it's the American way. You don't want to see the burnout from from a hundred feet. You want rubber hitting you in the chest. You want smoke inhalation. You want the whole deal 
in a burnout at a NASCAR race. Or again, anyone I've ever seen, people are struggling to get to a a center stage, if you will, for the burnout post-race. So I, I think that's going to be where the, the hitch is. Uh, they're going to have to have people like literally guarding that and, and keep them apart, but you never know. You never know. Uh, I, I think the the Talladega race is going to be interesting. 5,000, they're actually limiting uh, motorhomes and fifth-wheeled camping spots available uh, atop the Alabama Gang Super Stretch. So we'll see how that necessarily shakes out. But NASCAR said all guests will be screened before entering, will be required to wear a face covering, and social distance by at least six feet, and will not have infield access. Along with other revised protocols in accordance with medical experts and local state federal officials, NASCAR expects to adopt and improve procedures to be scaled to support an increased number of fans in the future. Uh, just it's, it's going to have to progress to that point is, is basically what they're saying. We have tremendous respect and appreciation for the responsibility that comes with integrating guests back into our events, said NASCAR Executive Vice President and Chief of Operations Daryl Wolf. Uh, he said, we believe implementing this methodical process is an important step to, uh, to, for sports and for the future of live sporting events. He said, the passion and unwavering support of our industry and fans is the reason we race each weekend, and we look forward to slow, slowly and responsibly welcoming them back at select events. So, uh, again, that's uh, that's Daryl Wolf, uh, sales officer, chief operations, executive vice president of NASCAR. Uh, his business card must be huge. But, uh, you know, I think this is, a, this is a good step. This is a good visual for what college football could look like. And I'm not saying I'm not saying that that NASCAR grandstands are like college stadiums. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying what kind of holdups are they going to have by checking everybody that comes in? Uh, you know, whether that's temperature, whether that's questions, whatever that looks like. Y- you know, what is it like for? How are you going to manage everybody wearing a face covering? How are you going to manage six feet apart? You know, all of those things are going to be s- scrutinized and looked at by, I would think, NFL officials, college football officials, and, heck, even college basketball officials because, you know, once August hits, it just jumps straight to November. I swear, it takes it takes 10 years to get from into spring football to fall camp, but then it takes about three weeks to get to, to, to Christmas, bowl games, and the national championship, and it's over again. What I'm saying is, is, is every other sporting event that want to reintroduce fans or even have a semblance of wanting to do that this year will have to look at how NASCAR's doing it. And, and you know, you, you look at the way, if you've ever been to a NASCAR event, parking, NASCAR has it figured out. Uh, entrance, concessions, NASCAR, NASCAR has it figured out. Merchandise with the little, the little landings in the parking lot, um, they've got it figured out. So it doesn't surprise me so much that NASCAR is kind of spearheading this. But what I think is interesting is how they're slowly integrating it. And they're integrating it at big tracks. Uh, Miami's a pretty good-sized track with a lot of seating. And then Talladega's super huge. So they can, like I said, they can be in their own area code uh, at at Talladega. So I'm interested in how this shakes out. I'm wanting to see how you manage it. And then again, at the end of the race, when everybody wants to see that burnout, how do you keep them separate? I think you you draw those lines, you you put, set that criteria, and then you make them stand to it. And and then again, it's a responsibility thing. Uh, it's not we're not trying to 
and we being anybody who's gonna 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 I guess enforce said said rules. It's not about taking it away from you. It's about keeping you from it. You know what I'm saying? So uh, again, uh, I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing fans back in the stands. I think drivers are too. I mean, they do burnouts and then they get out expecting a cheer, and it's nothing. It's just a really uh, bland version. But again, the racing's been good. Uh, the the getting off the truck and going. I hope that's something that sticks around. Uh, through it all but uh i'm excited about martinsville tonight i'm excited about ryan blaney starting up front if he starts up front it's hard for him to get in the back of somebody and get 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 wrecked out but we'll see what what happens but i think tonight could be a fun race and what is nascar getting back to it but you're listening to the grind we'll listen to these sponsors and we'll be right back you don't want to miss it Hometown alternative to Ordinary Sports Radio, 100.9 FM, 8.50 AM, Rocky Top Sports. Buying a home is one of the biggest financial decisions you will ever make, and it can be overwhelming, but Donna Cry at Mortgage Investors Group is committed to making your home buying experience a pleasure. Donna Cry is my personal home mortgage specialist. MIG is rated number one in residential mortgage lenders in Tennessee. Are you considering a new home? Then use who I trust, Donna Cry with Mortgage Investors Group in Maryville. Whether you're buying your first home or your fifth, Donna will help you put your home ownership plans into action. Call Donna at 865-984-9948 or go to DonnaCry.com. MIG is an equal housing lender. The Blunt Partnership is committed to leading the Blunt County business community through this coronavirus outbreak. We will continue to be a resource for all businesses as well as supplying up-to-date information for our community. Please check out our website for updated information at www.bluntchamber.com or search for Blunt Chamber on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Are you looking for a place to relax and have fun after work or a place to fill the weekend fun? Check out the Party Pub in the heart of Maryville. They open at 7.30 a.m. and have daily drink specials. They have darts, karaoke, and billiards daily, as well as Tennessee football each and every Big Orange Saturday in the fall. So check out the Party Pub on Ellis Avenue in downtown Maryville, a place where they treat you like family, and it's always a good time. In uncertain times, you can be certain of this. The Salvation Army is serving those most in need with help and hope. Thanks to your donations, the Salvation Army is helping those affected by COVID-19. Those who've lost wages, who have no home to retreat to, who need food, help with utilities, and most of all, hope. To see how you can continue to make a difference, visit SalvationArmyUSA.org. Have you been asking yourself if it's time to take that business idea and make it a reality? Do you need help with marketing or getting a leg up on the competition? Then check out my friends at 42nd Street Marketing right here in Maryville, a company invested in Blunt County and ready to help. They can take your business to the next level. Mike, Jana, and the staff at 42nd Street are a dream to work with, and I'm proud to say that they built the grindonsports.com into what it is today. But if you need marketing and maybe don't know where to start, check out my guys at 42nd Street Marketing right here in Maryville. Their phone number is 865-982-7007, or you can check out their work online, 42SD.com. Again, phone line is 865-982-7007, or online, 
at 42SD.com. Check them out. I think you'll be glad you did. Got golf? iguanifarmsgolf.com 970-7132 Have you heard about or seen the Grind's brand new user-friendly website? If the answer is no, I think you're kind of missing out. Our brand new website has ways to hook into the Grind from social media with links to Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and SoundCloud so you can grind it out with us on social media. But if you say, I don't like social media, but I like podcasts, we've got those too. You can download the Grind Podcast on Apple Podcasts and Google Play Music directly from the website. It's a one-stop shop for everything The Grind. Check us out online, thegrindonsports.com. That's thegrindonsports.com. We don't always promise to be perfect, but we promise to give you our honest opinion. This is sports radio from a fan's perspective. You're listening to The Grind on 100.9 FM, 8.50 AM, Rocky Top Sports. And welcome back inside the WKBL studios of Rocky Top Sports. I'm Wayne Kaiser, and you're listening to the Wednesday edition of The Grind. Going to jump away from NASCAR right now. Again, NASCAR hitting, a, hitting the, the pavement there tonight. Martinsville Speedway, 7 o'clock start time again on Fox. Love the midweek races as it's kept sports kind of swirling in a time where sports is, uh, is a little lacking in, in the world today. But we're going to jump to the NFL a little bit. Uh, Malcolm Jenkins. Speaks out about the NFL, about Colin Kaepernick, and says things need to be done on that front as well. NFL commissioner uh, just a few days ago, last week, uh, released an 81-second video admitting that he had erred by objecting the peaceful protest of the players in 2016. Again, that's Goodell's opinion. Uh, Goodell encouraged players uh, to speak up and peacefully protest this season amid nationwide protest against institutional Racism, But former Eagles safety and current Saints, uh, Malcolm Mitchell, uh, thinks Goodell didn't do enough to address one specific person. He's talking about Colin Kaepernick. Goodell's statement notably didn't mention Kaepernick, the man who started the wave of peaceful protest in the NFL in 2016 and was subsequently shunned from the league. Again, this is an article uh, by Sports NBC Sports Philadelphia, Adam Herman. Uh, that says, uh, he, he said Goodell's statement left him out, and he said that didn't sit well with Jenkins, who believed Kaepernick deserves more from Goodell and the NFL in terms of an apology. Here's Jenkins giving his take Tuesday on a CBS affiliate. Uh, it's called CBS This Morning. He said, I still don't think uh, they've gotten it right. Until they apologize specifically to Colin Kaepernick or assign him to a team, I don't think that they will end up on the right side of history. Malcolm, and, and, and here's the thing. I, I'm not saying that they don't owe him some, some level of apology. I'm not saying what have you. But I'm saying, I'm saying, and this is, this is too far, far removed a lot of times from, from the reality. I, I start looking at it really, really objectively. And, 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 and I feel like I do a really good job. And, 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 and again, I want people's opinions. So if, if what I'm saying makes sense or doesn't, give me a call, 865 983 Forty-three ten again. Eight six five nine eight three four three 
1-0. Here's my take on it. Could they they have allowed him uh, to do some peaceful protest? I'm not sure. You you know, I uh, (laughs) – yeah, yeah, I know. Jason Ward, that's that's a really good point. Here's my take on it. Here's my take on it. One, yeah, Goodell doesn't doesn't have the power to force a team to take him. But but I offer up these other examples. There I've got examples both ways. Examples of guys who who kind of stalwart the movement and 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 then ended up out of the league. You know, I offer up Tim Tebow. Tim Tebow, and now granted, and, and people are going to go, well Tim Tebow wasn't, you know, didn't didn't have uh, you know the height, or maybe the arm strength, or what have you. But here's here's the bare bones brass tacks of the of the deal. Tim Tebow won a playoff game and then got out of the league. I mean that's flat out. He took the Broncos back to the playoffs, won a playoff game, and then got replaced by Peyton Manning, never to be seen again. I mean it literally. He he had a little bit of other stops there in New England, and he had some other things. But he's out of the league. Colin Kaepernick was a backup when all this started. He does this and, you know, takes it away from, from, from football at some level. The Niners aren't interested in, in that portion of it, and he's let go. There was 31 other teams that could have taken him from a sheer, this is Colin Kaepernick, here's what he offers athletically, da-da-da-da-da. And it didn't happen. It didn't happen. Some say they didn't want the media. Some say they didn't want this. And and that's been pushed for Tebow. That's been pushed for that. But it's also been brought out. And here's here's the 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 other side of the coin that I want to bring up. Look at guys like Lawrence Taylor. Look at guys like Michael Vick. Look at guys like Adam Pacman Jones, which is probably the the most you know crazy outlandish side of this thing. Is Pacman Jones pretty much? I mean, he 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 works in the NFL in between prison sentences, because Pac-Man Jones is. I mean, he's really just he doesn't know how to get out of his own way. I mean, that's just point blank, clear and honest. I mean, he's played for the Bengals, he's played for the Titans, he's played for a lot of different teams, and basically he can't fulfill contracts, and then so he, he moves, and, and then he gets in trouble, and then he moves. But but again, what I'm saying is is the NFL in, in the grand scheme, and and again. Uh, this is again full disclosure that I don't fully understand uh, a lot of of what is happening or or what has been said or what what has been done. But but I'm trying to trying to put this together in the NFL. Like Mike Vick served prison time, and his talent based around tryouts and based on getting back got him back to the NFL. Pac-Man Jones, as much as people may not like him, think whatever you know. Oh, Vontez Perfect, another there's a really good example. A, a, a mean dude at at all levels, but talent wise, you want a guy that's gonna gonna play football at a very high level. It got him back to the league. You, you know, you you look at a bunch of different guys, and and, and I'll throw a few, uh, you, you know, a few Tennessee guys in there. Jamal Lewis. I mean, you, you look at that. You look at uh, you, you know, Leonard Little had a, a career after after he got you, you know got in trouble there uh, for for I think DUI, uh, and, and and so. What I'm saying is, 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 was it a contributing factor why Colin Kaepernick's not on a team uh, about the protest? I can't say it's not because I think the publicized side of it and the way it exploded, it's hard to ever say that that wasn't a factor. But what I'm saying is, if talent truly is there, they'll find a way to get him to the field. Now, some people would argue, well, it's at the quarterback position. It's a lot different than a lot of places. Mike Vick was a quarterback. 
Mike Vick ended up coming back, playing for the Eagles, and actually becoming the starter. I mean, it wasn't that he came back in and had a cameo appearance as a backup. Mike Vick became a starter in the NFL again because he, he put the nose down, he went to work, he, he served his time, and, and he came back. And, and so I, I'm not trying to bash Jenkins. I'm not trying to say Malcolm uh, was in any way wrong because I think he's trying to, he's trying to you know, offer up some gaps that are, that are there in the NFL. And I think, I think whether it's, you know, you, you know, I guess, what was it? What was his name before, before Roger Goodell, uh, tag LaBoo, I guess, uh, you, you know, I think you, you can look down all the, you can look down all the, the commissioners and there's some things they could have done better. There's things they could have done worse, but there's a lot of things that they could have done better. And, and I think hindsight's a lot of things. You know, you, you don't know how, I, I guess, innocent, peaceful protests are until you have the non-peaceful ones that we've had recently. Uh, and, and so at that rate, there's a little different value put on what happened in 2016. In 2016, the, the understanding was maybe not there, and, and, and the, the assumptions and the, and the reality look of it uh, was it, that it was detrimental uh, to the flag and that it was detrimental and 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 I still say that that's maybe not the time or place to do that uh, but but again that's my opinion you know that doesn't make what I'm saying fact or, or that anybody else should take that that's just where I'm at but I I do see the value in in the in the in the peaceful protest so again my opinion is though my my discussion point here is not is not right or wrong on the protest side of it my my wrong in in the the Jenkins comment and and really what I wanted to stick to was is I don't think anybody is owed an opportunity in the NFL. And let me let me say that again. I don't think anyone, regardless of race, gender, uh, nationality, religion, whatever, is owed an opportunity in the NFL. You earn opportunity in the NFL. You know how many kids leave the University of Tennessee after four years of giving it all and, and, and basically breaking their body for four years uh, to not get to the NFL? Do you know how many people, uh, you know, leave every university, maybe doesn't even, they don't even make it to the D1 college level, that leave the game without even a shred of opportunity to play in the NFL? It just is. Is that injustice? Is that is that something? I don't know. But what I'm saying is, is Colin Kaepernick was a backup when this started. Colin Kaepernick's talent or athleticism or whatever you call it had diminished to a point to where he wasn't a Sunday starter in the NFL in all of in what all of this happened to be. Did like I said, did did the did the protest play a part? I don't think there's a way to say it didn't because again, I think Tebow. The kneeling before the game, and the the Bible verses on his on his eye black, all of that contributed, I think, somewhat to his exit from the league. Right, wrong, or indifferent, I think it contributed. So what I'm saying is, is at the end of the day, did it contribute? Absolutely. Was it the reason? I think not. Same thing for Tim Tebow. Tim Tebow was never going to be a every every week starter in the NFL. 
Could he have made it a couple years? Probably because he's a winner. He could have figured it out. But the problem was is his delivery was off. His accuracy was less than less than stellar. And quite frankly, uh, he just he he wasn't made to be a pocket passer. You couldn't make Tim Tebow a pocket passer because he wanted to run too much. So, in, in the grand scheme of things, although I agree with the the comment that that maybe maybe there should be some level of understanding between Kaepernick and the NFL. I think the olive branch last year with the the tryout was good. I think the the way he handled it was less than stellar. Uh, I think the the opportunities he's had uh, to sign for 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 backup money, not starter money. And him turning it down, that's that's a that's maybe a knock on the Kaepernick side of things. But I think ultimately, when you look down these comments, my takeaway from it is, and, and it's just my opinion. And again, I I urge people if if that's wrong or if that's something you you agree or don't agree with, to hook up and, and give us a call, give us a comment on our website, thegrindonsports.com. Drop a comment or give us a call eight six five nine eight three. 4310 or again direct message us on one of our social medias again there's ways to get to us uh any way uh you would prefer but my opinion is is Kaepernick is not he is not owed a spot on an NFL roster because who do you kick off this thing's not an unlimited roster you 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 would have to remove somebody who who do you remove do you remove like a I don't know. Uh, I'm just I'm just pulling SEC names out of my head. Are you going to pull pull away a you know an AJ McCarron? Are you going to pull away uh, you, you know uh, one of those guys that that just go to work every day that really don't you know? Are you gonna are you gonna get rid of an Andy Dalton in Dallas? Are you are you gonna who are you gonna cut to give that Kaepernick give that opportunity or assign that wording was interesting assign him to a team. You know, I think I, I think Kaepernick. You, you you know, you want back in the NFL, start a development business that that develops kids for the NFL. Start a way to where you can you can you can funnel your 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 knowledge and your experiences to the NFL, and and I think you have just as much impact as if you were you know right now at your age being away from football for the time that it is a backup at best. So at that rate, that's my rant. It's probably over now. Uh, but my my opinion is is nobody's no one no one is is owed a spot in the NFL uh, or professional sports or maybe even college sports. That's just my opinion. Uh, but ultimately, uh, is there ways that things could have been handled better in 2016? Absolutely. But I think I I shed some light on some examples of people who were dealt with very similar uh, to Kaepernick, as in. The, the the opportunity, the athleticism, the, the ability didn't match up with what, what the expectation was from the social side of things. And right, wrong, or indifferent, I think that's how it shook out, and that's how, that's how the NFL uh, has functioned uh, to this point. But, uh, Malcolm, you're, you're welcome to, to always rebuke this and, and give, me a little, give me a little call back. But at the same rate, um, that's just kind of where we stand here uh, on – on the grind, 6 to 7 a.m. here in Maryville, Tennessee. So uh, we're going to take our last break of the day, listen to these great sponsors, but when we come back, we're going to look at 87 days until it's football time in Tennessee, 1987. Who were the sports champions of that year? Who wore 87 and became Hall of Famers? Who wears number 87 for the Vols right now? And uh, who's some 87s that are waiting in the wings to get to the Hall of Fame? Maybe Gronk? Maybe Reggie Wayne. 
A lot of names that have sported 87 and have done it at a very high level. We'll talk it all on the flip. You're listening to the Wednesday edition. You come on back now. You don't want to miss it. a home is one of the biggest financial decisions you will ever make, and it can be overwhelming, but Donna Cry at Mortgage Investors Group is committed to making your home buying experience a pleasure. Donna Cry is my personal home mortgage specialist. MIG is rated number one in residential mortgage lenders in Tennessee. Are you considering a new home? Then use who I trust, Donna Cry with Mortgage Investors Group in Maryville. Whether you're buying your first home or your fifth, Donna will help you put your home ownership plans into action. Call Donna at 865-984-9948 or go to DonnaCry.com. MIG is an equal housing lender. At Rural King, we believe that fishing is about more than catching fish. Fishing is about new sights and experiences with friends and family. All you need to get hooked is some reliable, easy-to-use fishing gear from Zebco. And this week's Rudy Special is a six-foot rod and reel combo, normally $29.99, now just $14.99. You say 15 bucks. Nobody beats this price on a Zebco fishing rod and reel. But hurry, supplies are limited at your neighborhood Rule King, America's farm and home store. Are you looking for a place to relax and have fun after work? Or a place to fill the weekend fun? Check out the Party Pub in the heart of Maryville. They open at 7.30 a.m. and have daily drink specials. They have darts, karaoke, and billiards daily, as well as Tennessee football each and every Big Orange Saturday in the fall. So check out the Party Pub on Ellis Avenue in downtown Maryville, a place where they treat you like family, and it's always a good time. Motorists traveling in Blount County should be aware of a road closure that will have an effect on traffic in Alcoa over the next six months. Hunt Road will be closed at the Alcoa Highway overpass. The existing Hunt Road Bridge will be demolished and replaced by a new Hunt Road Bridge over Alcoa Highway. This roadway is expected to reopen to traffic in December 2020. This is Wayne, and let me start by saying thanks for listening, and I hope you like what we're grinding on today in what we like to call the fastest hour here in Blount County, but we wanted to take a minute to let you know how you can join in, give your take on today's topics. You can give us a call, Grind Time Hotline, 865 863-4310. That's 865-983-4310. But if you don't have time or you're on that morning grind, give us a message on our website, thegrindonsports.com. You can drop a comment, leave a message, and we'll get your opinion on the air. I look forward to hearing from you. And as always, thanks for putting the grind on your mind. Your local Blount County Community Food Connection is still open serving local families in time of need and hardship. We provide prepackaged groceries to help meet your nutritional and dietary needs. The Community Food Connection is open Monday, Wednesday, and Saturday from 10 a.m. until noon for drive-up delivery only. Residents are asked to remain in their vehicle so that our volunteers may safely distribute the food. Directions as to how to enter and depart the facility will be clearly displayed. We thank you for your cooperation and look forward to serving you at your Blunt County Community Food Connection. Have you heard about or seen the Grind's brand new user-friendly website? If the answer is no, I think you're kind of missing out. Our brand new website has ways to hook into the grind from social media with links to Facebook, Twitter, 
Instagram, and SoundCloud so you can grind it out with us on social media. But if you say, I don't like social media, but I like podcasts, we've got those too. You can download the Grind Podcast on Apple Podcasts and Google Play Music directly from the website. It's a one-stop shop for everything The Grind. Check us out online, thegrindonsports.com. That's thegrindonsports.com. We don't always promise to be perfect, but we promise to give you our honest opinion. This is sports radio from a fan's perspective. You're listening to The Grind on 100.9 FM, 8.50 AM, Rocky Top Sports. Welcome back inside the WKVL studios of Rocky Top Sports. I'm Wayne Kaiser, and you're listening to the Wednesday edition of The Grind. we got about 15 minutes till the top of the hour, and we're talking 87 days until it's football time in Tennessee. A lot of alls have worn the 87, but maybe none better um, than Daryl Hardy, linebacker 88-91. to The only Vols all-SEC selection to wear number 87. Daryl Hardy earned the honor in 1991, was a three-year starter with the Vols and was drafted by the Atlanta Falcons in 1992. He went on to play for the Cardinals, Cowboys, and Seahawks, and Hardy piled up 227 solo tackles and 318 uh, tackles, including overall and 14 tackles for loss. His career-high 18 solo tackles at Alabama in 1989 are the fourth most in a game in UT history uh, at that point. James Woody wore the number 87 from 69 to 70. He said, I wore 59 as a middle guard because I I was low man on the pole. Then I moved to number 87. This one I picked due to a change in position to defensive end in 1969 and next year uh, as a linebacker. He said, my favorite thing about wearing the numbers 59 and 87 was that was my parent. That way my parents could find me. (coughs) Hmm. Excuse me. Uh, so, you know, everybody's got a reason. Some people say just because I got to wear a jersey. Some people say so my mom and dad could find me. And other people have other reasons. But nonetheless, uh, James Woody wore 87 for the Vols. James Wegman in 1946 was the first all-time 87 to wear this. William Clark wore it in 48. Jim Boutel uh, wore it in 53. Bob Hines wore it in 1954. The legendary... Bill Anderson, co-host or, or, or I guess color commentator, color analyst uh, for John Ward so many years, uh, wore the number 87 in 1959. Jid Winstead wore it in 56-57. Harry Swilly uh, wore it in 58-59. Kenny Pritchard wore it in 61-62 and 63. Neil McMeans uh, wore it 66-68, through 68, wore it at a national championship level. Uh, James Woody, again, 69 and 70. Ronnie Wheeler, 72, 3, 4, and 5. Kyle Aguilard uh, wore it 77 through 79. Daryl Wilson, 81, 82. Joey Clinchscale uh, wore it 83, 4, 5, and 6. Daryl Hardy wore it 88 through 91. John Sartell uh, wore it 93 through 96. David Martin wore it 98 through 2000. Again, on a national championship team. Justin Reed, Wore it 2002 through 2005. Quentin Hancock 
wore it in 08 and 09, and Alex Ellis wore it 2011 and through his time for the Big Orange. Currently, the number 87 is worn by Jacob Warren, a tight end, 6'6", 244-pound redshirt sophomore out of Farragut High School, Knoxville, Tennessee. So a lot of 87s have come through Knoxville, and a lot of 87s uh, will hopefully continue to do so. But you look at 87s in in the league and in other sports, a a big-time number 87 um, that's mentioned in, in the hockey realm in the NHL, is uh, Sidney Crosby. He wears number 87 for the Pittsburgh Penguins. The center and team captain has already won a Stanley Cup, a scoring title, the Maurice Rocket Richards Trophy for most goals in a season, and the Hart Memorial Trophy as the NHL's most valuable uh, player. He had concussions that ended the 2010-11 season and and looked to do the same in 2012, but the four-time All-Star has lived up to his reputation as one of the most promising hockey talents in a generation and has uh, has been uh, a, a kind of a re-injection of greatness into a league uh, that had had a hole since Wayne Gretzky uh, left the league. Others of note, number 87, Dwight Clark uh, in the NFL. He wore number 87. Uh, Rob Gronkowski uh, wore number 87. Uh, Reggie Wayne for the Colts uh, wore number 87. Uh, all of those guys have yet to make it uh, into the Hall of Fame, but there are three number 87s in the Hall of Fame. One is uh, is the the ghost Dave Casper. Uh, he he uh, he was an enrollee into the Hall of Fame in class of 2002. He played 11 seasons in the NFL out of Notre Dame, a 6'4", 240-pounder. Uh, the Raiders' second-round draft choice in 1974, nicknamed the Ghost, earned a starting tight end spot in 76 and finished the season with 53 catches, 691 yards, and 10 touchdowns. He was named All-Pro and All-AFC four consecutive years, 76 through 79, an outstanding blocker as well as a receiver, uh, had a career record of 378 catches, 5,216 yards, 52 touchdowns, and named a 5 Pro Bowls, a Ben Bemidji, Minnesota native, class of 2002, Dave Casper wore number 87 for the Raiders. He said, with the Raiders, we don't have to put up with any Mickey Mouse stuff. We don't have rules about keeping our chin straps buckled on the sideline. We don't have coaches encouraging a lot of false chatter on the practice field. The phony stuff is for losers. He said, we're treated like intelligent human human beings. We don't live by a lot of degrading rules. Our coaches don't harass us because they know we're winners. That was Dave Casper's bio and uh, his comments as he was inducted into the uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame. You gotta love, uh, you gotta love confidence, quiet confidence, and even maybe some spoken confidence. Another person that hit 87 and took it to Canton, defensive end Willie Davis. Uh, Willie Davis said as he was as he was enshrined, he said, "You got to do your best against the man opposite you." On every play, he said, you're less than a man if you let this guy win a battle when he shouldn't. Uh, I like that. I like that comment. Played 12 NFL seasons enshrined in Canton in the class of 1981. Out of Grambling, 6'3", 243-pound William Delford Davis, uh, 15th round draft pick in 1956, played Army uh, football prior to joining the 1958 Browns. Uh, career turning point came in the 1960 trade to Green Bay where he became a defensive standout. He had speed, size, and agility, a great team leader, dedicated, intelligent, 
All NFL five seasons in five Pro Bowls, six NFL title games, two Super Bowls, didn't miss a game in 12 years, played 162 career games, and was out of Lisbon, uh, Louisiana. He passed away at the age of 85 uh, just about a month and a half ago, April April 15th, 2020. But Willie Davis, uh, a defensive end in Canton, enshrined forever as the number 87 and made it on this very list. The last 87 in Canton, enshrined in Canton, is defensive end Claude Humphrey. Uh, when you look at Claude Humphrey, he said, I was aggressive, dot, 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 very aggressive. He said, I tried to play the game to the point where when I walked off the field, there was nothing that I didn't cover. I tried to play all out. I didn't take any prisoners. I just tried to do my job. Um, he played in 13 NFL seasons, uh, a lot of which for the Atlanta Falcons. He was Claude B. Humphreys. He was a Falcons first-round pick, third player overall in the 1968 draft, recorded 11 and a half sacks as a rookie, named Defensive Rookie of the Year, earned first-team All-Pro five different times in his career, selected to six different Pro Bowls, team-high 14 and a half sacks to help those 1980 Eagles advance to the Super Bowl 15. He had career stats of 122 quarterback sacks. Wow. Uh, two interceptions, a fumble recovery for a touchdown, and two safeties. He was born June 29th, 1944, in Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, played a lot of his career for, for the Falcons, but did uh, did go over, much like Michael Vick, went over to the other uh, bird of prey and, uh, and stepped in for the Eagles and helped them to a Super Bowl victory. Uh, but, but, man, it's, uh, it's amazing uh, when you look at it and, uh, and and you've got these 87 you look you look up this this number of you know number list uh, as we go to tomorrow as we go on into next week uh, there's just every number has some greatness associated with you know there's a few numbers in here that aren't listed like 69 there's not an NFL Hall of Famer at number 69 but we'll uh, we'll find some greatness uh, to talk about on those days but uh, it, it's just always fun to walk down these lanes and, and, and understand what made them great. And one thing that you see with all these guys is that they just they, they were determined. They wanted to do the best job they could do, and they honestly just wanted to win. And I think some of that is ingrained in greatness, uh, is just wanting to, to win at every facet of what you do. But 1987, we'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, when you look at it, 1987, American football – uh, Super Bowl 21, the New York Giants won 39-20 to over the Denver Broncos uh, to get their uh, Super Bowl championship in tow for, for the year 1987. January 2nd, the Fiesta Bowl, which would have been the 86th season, uh, the Penn State Nittany Lions won 14-10 over the Miami Hurricanes to win the national championship. Uh, it, arena football has its demonstration season, its first season, uh, where they played with four teams, so very much the the start of said said season or said league. Uh, February twenty fifth, the Southern Methodist University Mustang Mustang football team becomes the first college football program to be given the death penalty by the NCAA committee and rules infraction group. But uh, that is something that SMU will remember forever, and honestly, college football will remember forever. Uh, it's one thing that I don't think will happen very much ever again, if it ever does. And and I think there's there's reasons uh, to to keep that keep that kind of going. 
Um, but that's that's what happened in football in 1987. In baseball, the uh, January the 14th, Catfish Hunter and Billy Williams are elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame. Hunter made his name as the ace of the Oakland A's staff in the championship years, and Williams set a National League record for playing in 1,117 consecutive games and accumulating 426 home runs and a batting title. August 3rd, Minnesota Twins pitcher uh, Joe Necro is suspended 10 days for possessing a nail file on the pitcher's mound. Necro claimed he had been filing his nails in the dugout and put the file in his back pocket when the inning started. Uh, World Series Minnesota Twins won 4-3 over the St. Louis Cardinals. The series MVP was Frank Viola uh, from Minnesota and, and basically lowest regular season record of any world season champion is what the Twins got to hang on to. They were 85-77 and 77 in the regular season, a mere 52.5% winning percentage uh, until 2006 when the Cardinals bested that at a 51 point six winning percentage it was the first world series game played indoors uh as as game one at the hubert h humphrey metro dome in in minneapolis uh took that uh that record and still holds on to that first uh in world series history and then it was the first world series where the home team won every game yeah we just had a world series where the road team won every game it was hard to be a home team in this past world series uh, basketball in NCAA basketball, Indiana won 74-73 over Syracuse to claim the NCAA uh, basketball championship in 1987. And in the NBA, the Los Angeles Lakers won four games to two over the Boston Celtics. Uh, and then National Basketball League in Australia, uh, just like the name, so this is where I'm going to go with it. The Brisbane Bullets defeated the Perth Wildcats 2 to nothing in the best of three uh, final series. Uh, in 1987, March 7th, uh, Las Vegas, Nevada, Mike Tyson added the WBA heavyweight championship to his WBC belt as he beat James Smith in a 12-round decision. And April 6th, a name Sugar Ray Leonard uh, beat Marvin Hagler for the Boxing World Middleweight Championship. So those are all things that were going on there. I'm trying to get down here to see if, there's, uh, if they had any um, – if you had any uh, United States Triple Crown, the Kentucky Derby was won by Alice Sheba. Uh, Preakness was won by Alice Sheba, and Belmont was won by Bet twice. So uh, that was where that, that sat. Uh, looking at uh, – yeah, it doesn't show any NASCAR, any NASCAR. I'm pretty sure uh, – the Lady Vols won a national championship uh, in 1987. Uh, so that's there's something. Uh, that's not on those list for some some odd reason, but but nonetheless, uh, it did happen. It did happen. Uh, got the got the can at home to to show that the uh, Associated Press Male Athlete of the Year was Ben Johnson, uh, track and field, and the Associated Press Female Athlete of the Year was Jackie Joyner Kersey, uh, track and field as well. So two track people uh, took away AP's Athletes of the Year. Um, exciting uh, time to, to roll down 1987. Wayne Kaiser, myself, was born in 1987. So uh, that's one thing that you can take off the, the important list and put on another list. But nonetheless, it happened. 1987 was a good year. And tomorrow we'll talk a, a little bit. Uh, we'll go back in time a little bit. We'll talk with Jack Lane and his grandson as we'll re-air what was a great show last Wednesday. And uh, as duty calls at the, the day job, 
Uh, we've got to we've got to do that. But we'll re-air Jack Lane and his grandson Logan uh, as or, as we grind it out on a Thursday edition. Come on back, you don't want to miss it. History for Blunt County Sports tomorrow on the grind. We'll talk it all. We'll see you Friday. Take care. Be safe. And yes, grind on.